Hey everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. If you guys want to get the latest merch over at the official OKFabe store, head over to represent.com slash store slash OKFabe and pick up some of the cool neat designs that help support the show, including the Random Wrestling Podcast shirt, the OKA, and of course the OKFabe Guy and OKFabe Girl shirts, which are brand new to the store. Head over to the OKFabe official merchandise store, represent.com slash store slash OKFabe. Link is in the description. Listening to the OK Fame Show, the premier place for all your professional wrestling news and needs. Now, here's Connor, aka OK Fame. What is going on, everybody? It's yours truly, Connor, aka OK Fabe, and welcome, guys, to your very late edition of the OK Fabe Show. Here, we're going to cover both AEW Dynamite and NXT from October the 9th, 2019. It is a very late edition. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether it be here on Facebook, YouTube, or, of course, over on the all audio podcasting platforms. We're on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to the show. It is a lot to talk about, and I am still recovering from a crazy night in Boston. Of course, those of you who don't know, AEW Dynamite did take place in Boston. I was there! I was there! Damn it! It's still real to me, damn it. And I had a fun time, a blast, hitting up and then uh, marking out with everybody else uh, during that amazing show that took place on AEW Dynamite. I finally got a chance to catch up on some sleep, some schoolwork, and a lot of stuff going on, so that's why this review of both shows is out a little on the late side. And let me know what you guys think about this new format, because originally, soon do NXT and AEW Dynamite reviews separately, uh, but now probably going to do them together just to make things a little bit easier for yours truly because there's way too much wrestling to talk about nowadays. But we're going to talk about both shows back to back. Of course, there's going to be a little bit of bias uh, because I was at the AEW show, but we'll, we'll, we'll get that in a minute. But of course, I want to know what you guys thought of each show. Let me know your thoughts down in the comment section. Hit me up on the social media, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagrams, all that fun stuff. Make sure you check out our Patreon page and of course, the Represent Store for all that fun merchandise. And uh, we will be doing another episode of the OK Fabe Show previewing tonight's Smackdown Live. Of course, that'll be taking place uh, later on today, probably around like noontime. So we'll give you a double dose of the OK Fabe show as we're going to take a look at the draft that's taking place on Smackdown, all the crazy rules, all the uh, intriguing things that they're doing this time around uh, to make the draft a little bit more, well, I guess sports friendly, I guess is the best way I can say it. But we'll get to that on the uh, bonus edition of the OK Fabe show coming at you later on today. But in the meantime, let's kick things off and let's talk about uh, the Wednesday Night War. And again, let me know your thoughts on which uh, format you like better. Do you like doing the uh, me doing the reviews together? Do you like the me doing them separately? What works best for you guys? But let's start with NXT. Now, NXT, uh, before we even get into this, the numbers came in. I'm trying to f- pull up the official numbers. Um, 
for the ratings this week for week two and uh, it is interesting that unfortunately both shows did take a small dip uh, in terms of the uh, in terms of the ratings this week now not necessarily horribly but it did um, but it did show that AEW was once again victorious I just something I figured I'd talk about because I usually don't talk about this in general but this coming off of um, last night AEW show received 1.018 million total viewers which was like a decline of 28 percent from the prior week's series debut however nxt posted 790,000 total viewers and of course this means that there was also a decline because we saw them around the uh, 880 uh, sorry 878,000 viewers uh last week so they also went down a bit of a decline so there's a cl- decline in general from both shows which is a bit shocking once again aew wins for the second week now i know i might be biased here but i definitely thought they had the better show overall but let's talk about nxt real quick so nxt was touted by two major shows or two major matches that were announced beforehand. Of course, we had the newly crowned or newly christened NXT Cruiserweight Championship, which just makes me very giddy to see that the Cruiserweight division is going to be highly featured and spotlighted in NXT now, which makes me very, very giddy. And of course, also any non-title match between Kushida and Walter, which might have some implications in the future. So we actually kick things off with that cruiserweight championship match between Leo Rush and Drew Gulak, which was absolutely just fantastic. You guys know me, I'm a big, huge cruiserweight mark, a huge, big cruiserweight fan. So to see these two guys go out and see such a clash of styles between the two was absolutely breathtaking. It was fun. Uh, we saw it towards the end, Drew sets up Rush on the top turnbuckle and climbs up. Looks like he's going to do some sort of superplex, but he loses a striking exchange there and ends up being shoved to the mat. Leo hits a beautiful frog splash that come up, connects, final hour, and we have ourselves a new NXT Cruiserweight Champion. Now, this is a little bit shocking because, of course, everyone talked about the... I don't even want to call it controversy, but just the fact that Leo Rush had obviously been gone for a while. There was some controversy about his uh, backstage attitude. We, he was no longer paired up with Bobby Lashley. There was a lot of uncertainty as far as what was going to happen to uh, the man of the hour himself, Leo Rush. I'm very happy to see him back in NXT. I'm very happy to see him now the new Cruiserweight Champion. It really goes to show you that you never know what's going to happen. This is the type of action I was talking to you guys about before with, with Oni Lorcan and him going out a couple weeks ago to see who would fight Drew Gulak for the title. Uh, does make me obviously raise more questions as far as what's going to happen with 205 Live. There was no 205 Live last week after SmackDown's debut on Fox. So uh, maybe this is where the Cruiserweight brand is. And you know what? I am 100% for it. You know, obviously NXT is... Uh, a growing brand still, even though it's one of the top ones that WWE has right now. But to fill that two-hour programming and to not essentially dump out the cruiserweights, I think it's a, I think it's a smart move. You know, Triple H obviously said it best uh, in an interview where he said he thinks that the the cruiserweight style or the cruiserweight brand would fit better in NXT rather than it's on its own because NXT is more bell-to-bell oriented, and I can't disagree. So, Leo Rush, your new Cruiserweight champion. We'll see what the future holds for the Cruiserweight division now that it's over on NXT. We see Regal come out to, of course, um, you know, give uh, the belt to Leo Rush. Gulak comes back to climb in the ring. He angrily grabs the belt, but after a tense moment, he actually shoves the title at Leo. It gives an aggressive aggressive handshake. I want to see these two go at it one more time. I thought it was absolutely tri- uh, fantastic. As we then see Kushida warming up for a showdown with Walter uh, with uh, with Brizango, which was interesting, a little uh, tidbit for the three of them to be seeing them together. It's also followed by a package explaining why Finn Balor is now part of NXT, which I'm still getting over myself. The fact that Finn Balor is now part of the NXT brand is crazy. But we get back from commercial with a Tegan Knox segment. This one focused on her rehab of the second knee surgery. She's done being hurt. She's 
back to winning titles and she's going to make a statement and she'll be back in action next week on NXT. Knox is backstage with Team Kick partner Dakota Kai, who of course is scheduled to face Bianca Belair later on in the evening. We see Rhea Ripley versus uh, Aaliyah in singles action. Of course, this one is just all power moves from Ripley right off the bat. Here, Rhea's going to kill you, Chance. Aaliyah rag, uh, rakes the back, which only, of course, just pisses off Rhea Ripley. Uh, she gets turned inside out with a clothesline that does a cool spinning scorpion deathlock, slamming Aaliyah down in the hold and getting the Vision's uh, partner to tap right before she can even get involved. So, of course, Rhea Ripley gets a quick victory here over Aaliyah via submission. Of course, she then grabs the mic, puts over the NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler, but reminds the queen of spades she hasn't made her nap snap or tap Rhea's coming for that title which i am all in favor for when since Rhea ripley came onto the scene a couple of weeks ago and on xt coming from uk side um i think this is just inevitability i really want to see this matchup uh before shayna baszler presumably gets called up to the main roster you know there's no there's no rumors or anything like that as far as that happening anytime soon but if you're going to bang out a couple more you know strong quality uh, strong caliber quality matches from the NXT women's champion I think Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler might be one of the best ones that she's had in quite some time. So I want to see that, definitely. Brizango come out with, of course, a new uh, Men at Work entrance with, of course, coming in a bear of construction gear, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Uh, the Ever-Rise boys are dragged unconscious uh, as we see uh, backstage uh, onto the stage by Jackson Riker. And, of course, they're replaced by Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake of the Forgotten Sons. It was supposed to be Brizango against Ever-Rise, but the Forgotten Sons got in the way. It doesn't take long, for, of course, uh, for uh, for Brizango to find themselves in peril. We see Tyler Breeze getting in there as Cutler and Blake keep cutting him in the corner. Of course, he dumps Cutler and Duke's uh, clothesline from Blake to get the hot tag. Dango comes in hot and comes in after a two, gets a two after a Falcon Arrow. Uh, he brings Breeze back in for the fashion faux pause, but Cutler pulls Fondango off the top rope. He bounces back quickly, but breaks things down. Um, Riker then throws Breeze the outside. Dango dives at him, but Cutler falls right behind. Legal Sun hits the finisher, and that's pretty much all there is to it. Forgotten Sun's actually getting the victory over Brizongo. And this is something I've been kind of looking forward to because with Brizongo now being a tag team in NXT, you know, obviously we had the tag team titles recently defended as of last week. And I, I think that that definitely needed to uh, needed to change things up. I think that they need to rebuild a couple of divisions in NXT. And man, I think these two teams could really do the trick. You know, Brizongo, obviously not former tag team champions per se, but have the main roster experience to help put some new teams over. So solid matchup, honestly, for the tag team division. Really enjoyed it. We see Keith Lee promo uh, over a video package with his feud with Dominic Dijevic. Of course, this battle is for the future. And when they face off again next week, Dijevic will have no choice but to bask in his glory. The rubber match taking place next week between Dominic Dijevic and Keith Lee. Cameron Grimes uh, once again gets a very fast victory, uh, of course, <laughs> doing a double stop over Boa to get another quick victory. I'm not sure if this is his gimmick now or what the deal is, uh, but the former X Division champion getting a almost record-breaking victory once again makes me curious what's going to happen with Cameron Grimes. You know, at least they're putting him over in some capacity. You know, so it can't be can't be complaining about that. We see Grimes was pointing at Killian Dane who hits the ring as Grimes quickly bails. Uh, Boa, though, is not so lucky as he gets splashed, carried, and slammed at the end. Out's desk, not too far from the ringside area. Damian Priest promos over the highlights of Pete Dunn and his attack on the bruiserweight from last week. He attacked him to get more attention because he's, quote, out here trying to live in infamy. Thanks to taking out the former UK champion, his name will live forever. Damian Priest and uh, Pete Dunn seem to be a, I don't say random rivalry, but one that I am certainly looking forward to. We get Roderick Strong versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. Now, of course, this is a non title match as Velvet, as a 
uh, Roderick Strong is the North American champion. Uh, of course, but he does get pumped up by his teammates and comes out alone. No Undisputed Era with him. And this one I thought was going to be more of a squash match, much similar to the Cameron Grimes match we just saw earlier. But surprisingly, Isaiah Swerve Scott holds his own. Um... We see a commercial break. Strong comes back in control. Back elbow, right hand, and some clothesline. Swerve comes back pretty strong. Of course, then it doesn't take long after the commercial for the rest of the Undisputed Era to come out in tow. Um, of course, this doesn't. Uh, Scott does not fall for the distraction. He presses his advantage. He gets a two off of a DDT from the middle rope. Another flurry ends with a flatliner and a jumping side gets that gets the two count. Back elbow of his own gets the champ back in, but he loses a battle in the apron. Gets hung up by the ropes. Swerve springboards over the top, stomp a Cole and the tag team champion step to the ring that of course gets his distraction long enough for Roddy hit two running knees end of heartache into a stronghold and of course no no uh no surprise swerve has to tap out to Roderick Strong so at least the, the big thing for me is at the very least you know we don't really see a whole lot of um squash matches when it comes to NXT and I'm glad that that's continuing that we're not going to see just you know squash match after squash match after squash match so Isaiah Swerve Scott although losing to the North American champion uh it, it is very uh I did get to enjoy seeing him like you know highlight and showcase his ability so we'll see what the future holds for him of course we see Cole grab a bike it says that this rig is with the and gets uh, excuse me Ooh. the NXT, uh, NXT champion grabs the mic and gets in the ring with the rest of the Undisputed Era he puts over Scott is great but not good enough to measure two of the Undisputed Era that's why everyone from Balor to Champa show up here try to prove they can hang with them but they're just dreaming if they think they can and of course did someone say dream Velveteen's on the Tron then in the elevated platform he puts uh, puts up the Shawn Michaels Playgirl-esque picture that Roderick Strong put up uh, of course he says in two weeks when he gets the chance to win that belt back he'll prove it's strong who doesn't measure up he snaps his fingers and the belt disappears and we see uh, you know a very small blurred out tiny little circle um you know with a you know sign over it so of course cute little photoshop moment it goes but that's not all Tommaso Ciampa also shows up he stalks the ring as the undisputed bales and stands on the ramp Blackheart turns a chair around and sits the heels the man who never lost his address the belt saying Goldie daddy's home drops the mic and stares down on the entire group and his faction uh, of course and, and we see that uh we'll see most likely Tommaso Ciampa challenge for that NXT championship very very soon uh during the commercial break Kathy Kelly is waiting to get a comment from Ciampa when of course Angel Garza shoots his shot Tommaso shows up and Kelly rushes over, but Garza cuts off her question. Spits some trash talk in Spanish, but then Champa just knocks him out with an elbow. So we're going to get Tommaso Champa and Garza next week on NXT, which is going to be fun. Bianca Belair and Dakota Kai in a very strong women's matchup between the two of them. Uh, we get a commercial break. Kai is going for a pin when we return and connects with a kick with all fours. She falls with a clothesline, and although uh, she keeps on trying, Bianca Belair eventually gets her victory. Um... After lifting up for a powerbomb, Kai punches free and tries for a couple pinning attempts. Tries for a running front kick, but Belair ducks underneath. Fireman's carry and hits the KOD to get the VIP victory or the EST. Whatever. I, I can't with these with these abbreviations. There's too many to remember. Of course, she grabs the mic and she says she heard what Ripley heard earlier. And girl, girl, mm -mm. if you want a piece of Shane, you have to go through her. So it looks like we have another possible challenger uh, for that NXT Women's Championship. Of course, we see Dijevic also get a chance to respond to Keith Lee. He says, it feels like they're destined to fight forever. He studied Keith Lee and knows his limits and his secret. Of course, we see, you know, continuation of the hype piece for Finn Balor's return to NXT. And then we get a Pete Dunne promo. Pete Dunne talks about Damian Priest. He says when he showed up in WWE, Triple H told Dunne to make a name for himself. So he gets what Priest is doing, but he's not going to let the Archer make his name off of him. He also doesn't know 
he'll sh uh, he'll shot arrows with broken uh, he doesn't know how he'll shoot broken arrow uh, arrows with broken fingers Dunn's not done <laughs> uh, after his record setting UK title reign he knew when he came to NXT he had to go through some people now he knows he'll start with and of course next week they're gonna have a fight so Pete Dunn and Damian Priest next week that is going to be a match I cannot wait for I know I've been saying that pretty much all of the matches but it's true Walter versus Kushida in the main event. Absolutely stellar. This one was a brawl uh, amongst them all. Uh, these two guys, it was very fun. And, and truth be told, you know, while most of the matches were were okay, the two big ones for me this week were definitely the Cruiserweight opener and then this main event. And the thing that surprised me, and, and I almost forgot before we got into this matchup, is both men are technically undefeated. Walter's not lost in NXT UK. And Kushida is not lost since coming to NXT, so something had to give here. Um, the other part I liked about it is that we saw no interference from um, Imperium. No interference from Imperium at all, which was great because I like me some clean victories. You know, it's fine to do it every once in a while, like the Undisputed Era was kind of doing it earlier on, obviously. But with Imperium, they're still new I don't want that stigma with them because they then they just seem more like henchmen. It's different with Undisputed Era because at least they have the titles to back them up. You know, like, oh, their claim to fame. Like, oh, we're not just henchmen. We're tag team champions. We're North American champion. Like, we're, we're, we're dominating NXT here. So it makes sense in that aspect. And I just didn't want that to happen in this matchup. But, man, what a fight. And, again, you guys know me. When you have two different styles of wrestlers going at it with Walter being this the ground for pound just – walking, stalking brick wall, and Kushida utilizing the technical and speed aspect, you know me, I was going to be a happy camper. Uh, Kushida tries for a tornado maneuver towards the end, but Walter answers with a drop kick, which I didn't see that one coming, and a power bomb. Both men take a while to get to their feet, but when, they, when of course, Kushida does, Walter just slaps him back down, pulls him into a shard arm clothesline, and that's pretty much all there is for it. So Walter getting the victory here. Afterwards, we see Imperium on the stage talking, of course, to Walter. The announcers run down the card next week, and then, of course, go to Kathy Kelly with some breaking news uh, that Regal is at a Garza and Champ in the next week's show. Dream and Strong will battle for the North American title in two weeks' time. Rematch. Looking forward to that. NXT this week was was okay. You know, when, when we had last week's show that was so stacked with, you know, the women's title match, with the uh, the tag team title match, and, of course, the NXT championship match, Matt Riddle uh, versus Adam Cole, baby, uh, the return of both Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa, you knew they stacked a lot of crap into this into, into the last week's show. And I shouldn't say crap. They, 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 they stepped a lot of stuff into the NXT show. And... That's fine, and it's fine that they can get away with doing that every once in a while. We'll talk about that when we get to AEW in just a second, and it's fine that they were able to do that. The problem is is that I know they weren't going to do that every single week. You know, it's one thing for, and I even said it too, I thought NXT had a better show last week in terms of match quality and the show's presentation. Numbers, of course, are and ratings are completely different. Uh, conversation, but generally speaking, it felt like a mini takeover because they put so much into it. It's their first two hours on USA, but I also know that that's not going to be the standard bearer every single week, and this was a perfect example. Was NXT bad this week? No, I don't think NXT was bad, but you could definitely tell that this was not as strong, no pun intended, as the last week's show, which is totally fine. The question is, what are they going to do to keep that consistency going? And I think that, once again, like I mentioned, adding things like, you know, involving the UK brand and Walter in the UK championship, adding the cruiserweights, you're able to kind of create a balance so that when you don't have something that is, you know, high stakes or featuring the bigger stars like Champa or Gargano or others, you can have 
higher quality matches to keep that consistency going. You know what I mean? So what I mean, is, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's kind of like when the NXT format was before they went to USA. You know, one week they would highlight one major rivalry or aspect, and then the next week it would be something different, like an A to B. So, like, on week A, they would highlight the NXT championship, whereas week B, they would highlight the North American championship, and week C, maybe the tag team titles. And so my point is that adding in, like, the UK division and the cruiserweights helps balance that out, so that way if you don't have anything to focus on as far as, like, the bigger picture stuff, you at least have some other stuff to focus on. I thought NXT was fine, but really the two big takeaways, definitely that cruiserweight match and definitely Walt versus Kushida so looking forward to that but how did it fare to, to AEW this week we'll talk about that in just a second and of course I want to hear what you guys had to say about AEW this week let me know your thoughts in the comments and in the, on the social media thought of NXT what was your favorite match moment all that fun stuff but now let's talk about AEW Dynamite so AEW Dynamite, of course, taking place from Boston, Mass. Yours truly was in attendance. And, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about my own experience there. First and foremost, it was great to see Joe Cronin there. Great to see uh, Sarge from 98.5 Sports Hub and uh, James Stewart, of course, Russell Cash. Shout out to them. Uh, great to see a lot of people who... Uh, you know, I usually see any Boston wrestling shows. I think JT Dunn was also in attendance there as well. So there's a lot of, uh, it was great to, you know, go in there and see a lot of, um, you know, people that you tend to see during these wrestling shows all the time. So it's really cool to see that. I actually got a, a couple photos with people, which was uh, crazy in and of itself that people actually want to take photos with me, but still cool. And, uh, you know, before we get into the details and nitty gritty, first and foremost, crowd was hot. Uh, Boston was very excited and happy to be there. Uh, and as I was too, you know, it was, it was in essence history in the making. The atmosphere was great. I think Aganis Arena was a perfect fit for those of you who don't know. Usually WWE runs the TD Garden. That's usually their their main staple place where they run when they come to Boston. Uh, I think going to the Aganis Arena, which was part of Boston University, a much smaller arena, about half the size, if not less than that, uh, it was smart because it made it feel, you know, big time atmosphere, you know. Um, the presentation was great. The, the matches stellar from top to bottom. Really had a blast there, and part of history, you know. It was it was definitely a fun time. Uh, I want to go back, and I think that as far as a TV show, you know, like comparing to a Raw and SmackDown experience, as far as a fan's perspective, I had more fun at AEW Dynamite than I did in the last couple of Raw and SmackDowns put together. Really, like the last Raw and SmackDowns I've been to were okay, Fabe. But generally speaking, as far as the television, like, you know, the experience from a fan's perspective, one of the best ones I've been to. But let's talk about the actual show itself. So AEW Dynamite actually kicked things off with a match that I thought was very interesting. It was Private Party against the Young Bucks in the first match of the AEW World Tag Team Title Tournament. Uh, and the, th this match was the match of the night. Now, it's interesting because before I even get to the match, you know, looking back on it, there was some interesting news or rumors or rumblings going about uh, this week's AEW. And the big rumbling news rumor was that the fact that AEW might have been pushed to true TV. Now, the reason that was the case is because there was a game going on between the Cardinals, I believe the Atlanta Braves, and the 
uh, the, the 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 suggestion was is that if that baseball game went beyond 8:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, then it would be pushed to TNT, which means AEW would be preempted to True TV. So knowing that, I think it was a smart move to make this match first and be the the bar burner of the match that it was because it got the crowd amped up, it got the audience members saying, "Okay, I want to make sure I follow where this is going because this matchup was astounding." And again, Private Party and Young Bucks was in. Sanity. Now, it didn't have your traditional babyface versus heel mentality, even though SCU was in the crowd. And truth be told, I thought there'd be a lot more shenanigans. And, you know, my prediction was that Ortiz and Santana were going to interfere and screw the Young Bucks out of the tournament. But in essence, we got something that I thought was a lot better. Yes, it's the Young Bucks, so you get your usual flippy stuff and your crazy insane kicks and dives and stuff. The private party was put over like a million bucks. No pun intended. There was so much action, so much craziness. Crowd was on their feet. I was on my feet because I didn't know who was going to win. And surprisingly, in a clean fashion, blocking the Meltzer driver, Private Party got the victory. Private Party got the clean win over the Young Bucks. Now, obviously, knowing what we had going on later on in the evening with Jericho and his inner circle... It makes sense that the Bucks would go out. Now, here's the thing that I was kind of saying, the why I thought that the Young Bucks would not be involved in the tag team title tournament for very long is because they're already over. They don't need to be the first AEW tag team champions, and I think they know that. They know their star power. They know that they're the top of the tag team division, they're, and, they're, and they're wisely looking to promote the next new teams promote the tag team division so that when you get to that point of the bucks challenging it's a big money match there's still money to be made in the bucks versus ortiz and santana there's still bucks versus other tag teams that you can do so they don't need the tag team titles and i think that's a smart move because you can always revisit it down the road and i'm going to quote otrs central who actually the shug daddy himself who actually said this he and he's very he, it i couldn't have said it better myself you know, when you have a position of power and you say, oh, you know, I'm going to do what's best for business and lose, sometimes that's not necessarily best for business, but this decision was because it made the private party almost on the same level as the Young Bucks going into this tag team tournament. So if you didn't know who private party was, this match put them over uh, in the best way possible, honestly, with some amazing athleticism, some amazing ability. We loved it. The crowd loved it. Everybody loved it. It was phenomenal. Again, no real storytelling here as far as heel babyface didn't really matter. Both men were both or both teams were trying to to vie for that history making moment to advance in the tournament, and that's really you can kind of get away with that because you can do that in a tournament because it doesn't really matter who's the healer face, right? Fun matchup, honestly. If you're gonna go back and watch one match from this show, that's the one to watch, and trust me, you will not be disappointed. So as we come back from commercial break, Jericho makes his entrance flanked by his new crew. And Jericho gets on the mic and introduces himself, of course, as Le Champion. And says that the debut episode of Dynamite took the world by storm last week and takes all the credit. Thank you, Jericho. He talks about how his group proved themselves last week and they're the, uh, the, show, they're the next and the now. He calls them his confidants, the closest men he's ever met. And they're going to keep working together. And they do have a name. They do. Of course, he goes through every single guy. He says Sammy Guevara is a sexy Spanish god. One of the greatest performers at his age he's seen in a while. Ortiz and Santana says he's personally recruited them and they're ready to fight. Angry, ready, back alley brutes. And that's why he made the list. 
And then there's the giant behind them. You may think you know who he is, but Jake Hager is the most terrifying, crazy MMM fighter in the world today, which is a shoot because he's undefeated. And I honestly thought he was going to call the group the list because the way he was like, he's on the list, he's on the list. I'm like, don't, don't, please don't call him the list. Of course, a huge crowd chant of We the People starts going up, and Jericho says that's a dead, a bad idea from a bad creative that's gone and buried. Chris then continues saying Hager's undefeated MMA and makes him the toughest man in the entire pro wrestling business, and his dubs his group the Inner Circle and says they're taking control of AEW right here, right now. He doesn't care if you're the Bucks, Omega, or that stupid son of a bitch, Cody, who's been entitled by his famous family his entire life. He doesn't like Cody or his family. He's thought Dustin Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes is a jerk. He thinks Dustin Rhodes is a moron. He's going to kick his ass tonight. And at full gear, Jericho is going to beat the ever-living shit out of Cody Rhodes. And they're going to walk the streets of Baltimore and have a little bit of the bubbly. Now, there's a couple of things I like about this. And for those of you who, who thought Jericho being crowned the first champion was a bad idea, I present to you Exhibit A, one of the best promos in a while from any side, honestly, you know, WWE or AEW. Jericho can hold the audience in the palm of his hand. He has a group backing him up. Fantastic segment. Loved everything about this. I also loved the build they're doing to this. And this is something that I actually had a conversation with with a couple people at the show on Wednesday was, you know, and this goes back a little bit to the, the whole thing of NXT pumping out high-profile matches. AEW is not going to have that many high-profile matches, despite the fact that we're going to get a world title match next week. But when you look at the, the, the landscape, what they're trying to do is they're trying to build towards pay-per-view because, and this might be a shocking thing for some of you to understand, is that they're actually putting the idea of making it a business first because they understand that pay-per-view is revenue. So yeah, <laughs> you know, like it, it's just, it's crazy to think that, you know, that people don't, that that they don't think about that, that they don't think about that mentality of, oh, I want to make sure that we got to protect the bit, you know, and, and, and actually make money at the stamp thing. Because you gotta, it's gotta happen. And so it's things like this where, you know, we know Jericho is defending the world title. We know they're fighting against Cody, but it's building up to that moment. And hey, if Jericho's a great dick heel, then Jericho is a great dick heel. Um, so hell yeah, loved everything about this. Inner circle name I do like. I, I was a little worried that, like I said, the name of the, the, name of the show was gonna be uh, um, the... Uh, the list. I was a little worried that that was gonna that was gonna be uh, that was gonna be the name of the group. I was like, ah, oh, geez, please no. And uh, it didn't. Jericho recovered himself. Great stable name. I figured they were gonna do something like this at some point in time because, I mean, it's a great way to get over the you know Jericho, the belt, the faction. So when the babyface does eventually beat Jericho for it, it's a it's a bigger deal, you know. And then also there's a tease later on that I also like that they do. We'll talk about that in a second. But anyway, we get ourselves our number one contenders match between Darbin Allen. Uh, Darby Allen, sorry, keep, I always butcher his name against Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy the clear-cut heel in this one, and of course we got Darby Allen uh, as the baby face. Uh, Havoc kind of mostly in control of this one, but Darby gets some fun offense towards the end. Uh, great matchup, slow build. I think the problem at this point in time at the show, and we'll talk about this as we go on, at least from my perspective, is that the crowd 
was kind of dead. You know, with that huge tag team opener, that crowd was uh, was a little burnt out, you know what I mean? But still a fun matchup. Uh, backward commercial break, Allen throwing punches, rolling elbow from Havoc, uh, gets a two count. Blu-ray follows, underhooks, Tiger drive for 98, but Darbin gets his hand on the rope. Very smart move by Allen. Um, Jimmy puts his boots to him, frustration, as goes for the acid Rainmaker, but Allen bites him to block. Standing Diamond Dust up top and hits the Coffin Drop, which I love that name. It should be the name of a cough drop to become the number one contender for the AEW world title. So Darby Allen gets his world title match against Jericho next week. Back home commercial, we get ourselves our women's tag match. Bea Priestley and Amy Sakura versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Rio. Felt like that Britt Baker was put more over than Rio in this case, even though Rio is the freaking women's champion. But uh, this one was fun. This was, I was a little afraid that this was going to be the sleeper match out of everything. Like, this is going to be the one that, like, I hate to say it, like the pee break match, because I did see a lot of people like up and go. But either way, it was still fun. Like, they still made it entertaining. I thought Britt, for some reason, was going to attack Rio and start a rivalry there, but no, Bia and, and Britt got their own problems to go on. Uh, towards the end, we see Neelif's Russian leg sweep rolls through rings of Saturn as uh, we see a submission victory. Uh, Britt Baker and Rio get the victory over from uh, as, as Baker actually gets it on Imi, uh, Imi Sakura. And then, of course, we see a little bit of a mini cat fight. I don't even say cat fight. Uh, between Prisley and Baker, it looks like we're not done with these two women going at it against each other. We, of course, get our uh, more tag team main event hype. We get best friends vignette where they hug in a park, and then, of course, they cut to them being interviewed. Chuck Taylor passed the interview to Orange Cassidy, of course, just gives them big old thumbs up. Swear to God, the more time I see Orange Cassidy, I see more Jason Solomonster. It's just, it's crazy. But... We then get ourselves one of our big matches for the evening, John Moxley versus Sean Spears. I'm going to say this in the most... How do I, how do I say this? And, and this is going to come across very... Um, this is going to come across very insulting to some people, and I, I'm trying not to be, but this was a very WWE-esque match. And what I mean by that is it had a lot of the same... Um, it had a lot of the same like rhythms and beats to it. I mean, both men coming from WWE, it's no shock. I'm not saying the match was bad. It just there were certain bumps and beats to it. Tully Blanchard at ringside for Sean Spears, which I was very surprised to see him there. But hey, great to see another four horsemen in Boston, which was really cool. Um, uh, Blanchard had a lot of interference in this one, which I was actually surprised. There was a lot of distraction, so Spears had a lot of the control of the match early on. I was actually surprised how much... Bl I thought Blanchard was going to get freaking DDT'd at one point. The amount of times he was involving himself, probably like four or five times in the match. It was it was quite astounding. Um, but of course, we see back uh, you know back in the ring, boot up in the corner, knee pad down, uh, drawing up Sean hit the fireman carry counter, slip out, trade chops in the middle of the ring, forearms off the ropes, pump kick, Moxley decks him with a lariat, uh, does, of course, a bunch of counters, then bam, hits the paradigm shift to get the one, two, three. Moxley with the victory. This entire time, though, Pac is actually on commentary, uh, which was very bizarre. I unfortunately didn't have a chance to listen to him on commentary because I was at the show. But, of course, Kenny Omega then shows up with a barbed wire bat and a barbed wire broom, and he confronts Moxley on the ramp, and Omega actually throws on the bat, but then Pac blindsides Omega with a steel chair. Pac leaves, and then, of course, Moxley just stands over him for a moment than just ditching the bat and walking away. Of course, building up the Kenny Omega John Moxley match taking place at full gear on November the 9th. Coming back from the commercial, we see our main event, which was just uh, 
just craziness as of course it's Hangman Adam Page and Dustin Rhodes against the Inner Circle Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho um, great action from all four men Dustin Rhodes was very impressive doing a high cross body at one point Sammy Guevara kind of starting things off then Jericho eventually phasing his way in um, eventually getting it to the point where we see uh uh, Dustin getting the, uh, you know, being isolated and Hangman Page getting the hot tag. Uh, we see uh, we see Jack Hager who's at ringside. He blindsides Rhodes outside the ring. Jericho uh, up and gasping, lining Rhodes up. Inner Circle gets, of course, the victory with a Judas effect from Jericho onto Dustin Rhodes. Post-match, the Inner Circle just starts putting the absolute ever-loving beat down onto Dustin. Hangman makes the save, but then Hager takes him out with a lariat. Page returns the favor with a chair shot, and they start brawling up the ramp and out of the way. Jericho and Gravel keep working roads over but of course the lights go out lights come back on Cody's in the ring crossroads onto Sammy Guevara he scares up a Jericho then Santana Ortiz blindside him for the save Jericho's choking Cody with his own tie then MJF hits here with a chair for the save he fits and starts to as Chris holds Rose up, like kind of teasing that he might be, uh, you know, to attack him. Doesn't work though. He goes takes out the entire inner circle, but then it turns around to a code breaker from Jericho. They keep going over the babyface. Then the Young Bucks come in and make the save. Super kick party, stereo dives, taking out Santana and Ortiz. Jericho then takes the title and poses, grabbing the ring br bell briefly and and setting it in the ring for some reason. He attacks uh, Bryce Remsburg and says, and, and then of course Darby Allen makes it comes in and actually skateboards down the ramp and then does a knee and then beats down Jericho and wallops Jericho with the skateboard. Jericho tells Cody's going to pay and he'll see Darby next week. He calls the babyfaces stupid idiots and the inner circle is taking control to close out Dynamite this week. Whew, a lot of action. As I mentioned before, AEW um, is building towards pay-per-views. Shocking that they're actually thinking of business sense here. And so I think for me personally, AEW won for the week. They did a better job of having better matches consistently compared to NXT. Um, not to say that NXT matches were bad per se, but generally speaking, it was there was a steadier pace. Granted, that hot-ass opening with the par private party and Young Bucks was very hard to top. And I felt bad because the, the, the popularity and the, and the kind of... People were winded not too long afterwards. It was very hard to keep up. But generally speaking, I think there was better consistency across the board. There was less lulls, whereas NXT, you could tell there were some lulls. So for me, this week, AEW won uh, this week as far as the show quality. And of course, numbers also don't lie either. Looking forward to next week on both shows as we head in towards full gear on November the 9th. And of course, so much more action on the NXT side and whatnot. Uh, but of course, that's just my opinion, guys. I want to hear what you guys thought of both shows. What did you guys think of NXT and AEW? Which show won for the week? Which one had the better match? Let me know your thoughts in the comment section. Hit me up on social media, the Twitter, Facebook, and the Instagrams. Make sure you guys come back. We'll be talking about the Fox preview for SmackDown as we're going to do the draft. Talk about the weird rules set in place and how this might affect the uh, bookings for both Raw and SmackDown coming in the future. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care, and as always, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Make sure to watch the OK Fabe Show. Follow him on Twitter at OK Fabe and like over on Facebook.com slash OK Faber. This is the OK Fabe Show.